The time is 1230. You're listening to 95.3 WBEV powered by Daily Dodge. And let's join Kevin Haugen with Community Comment. Well, thank you very much. Good afternoon. Welcome into uh, today's Community Comment. I am your host today, Kevin Haugen. Uh, Craig Warmbold is uh, on assignment, as we like to say today. So I am filling in for uh, Craig this afternoon. Our guest on uh, today's program is Lieutenant Jeremiah Johnson with the uh, Beaver Dam Police Department. Uh, Lieutenant, thank you so much for coming in today. Thank you. Good afternoon. Uh, Again, the number... Uh, if you have any questions for the lieutenant on the uh, program today is 885-4446. Again, that's 885-4446. A uh, couple things to get through uh, in, in today's program, the first of which uh, is a annual uh, program that the uh, Beaver Dam Police Department does uh, every year. It's an opportunity for people in the public to uh, come in, learn the inner workings of the police department, what an officer does. Uh, it is the uh, eight, what, 18th annual, what, what is I think it? it's 19th now. 19th annual yep. Beaver Dam Citizens Police Academy. So, you know, it's funny you bring up the 19th because we, we ended up skipping a year for COVID back in 2020, 2021. It just wasn't happening. It just, we didn't have the resources to spread people out and you're riding along with officers and squad cars. We obviously know a little bit more about COVID now and um, we're a lot more comfortable with, you know, doing those sorts of things to get back in the program. So it, it was, the question was, do we call it our 19th annual, even though we skipped a year? I mean, we're going to go with it. We're going to break the rules. We're going we're gonna to bend it. But it should be our 20th year, but it is not. So okay. we're going to do like a 20th anniversary commemoration of the, the start of the Citizens Police Academy at the police department, even though it's our 19th. So but we're just going to go with it. It's 20 years, but it's our 19th annual. <laughs> Is that is that involve like a special uh, a, a class, a special event, a get to, like, what, I what think that when like? we do our graduation, we might do something bigger. Um, I was going to talk to Chief about this, about possibly inviting back all the alumni to come in Great. and maybe like participate in the academy graduation, have a potluck dinner, and things like that. Just something a little bit of a bigger event. And usually at our at the end of our Citizens Police Academy, we have a banquet and we have a graduation ceremony. We might build that into a bigger event where we have some of our alums that are still active in our uh, community service organizations come back in and uh, be part of that too. So yeah, it's a, it's a special year for us. So and yeah. that could be a high number because I think it mentioned in the press release that there was up to what, 220. Yep. I want to say, actually say it's 222. 222. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, yeah exactly. So there, there's been a lot of people that have, have come through that program in the over the years. Yes, absolutely. And I mean, you have everybody from people who are just interested in seeing what's going on to uh, people who are on our city council now people who are on the police and fire commission firefighters people who are active in the community business leaders people who work at our banks and you know run, run our city essentially and, and they they've been through the citizens police academy it's kind of cool to look back at our alumni you know and and um, a lot of them stay active too in our on our auxiliary not our auxiliary police department but our auxiliary who uh, they come out at uh, uh, major crime scenes and big fires and disasters and things like that, and they help feed firefighters and police officers and first responders, and they also are active, too, in uh, events like um, 
uh, why can I think of it? Uh, it's in, in summer. It's in Swan Park. Why can I? Uh, International Night Out. That's yeah. what it is. Oh, Thank okay. you. Sorry. Yep. 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 Just getting the cobwebs out of the brain this morning. So <laughs> afternoon, early. technically. It's still early-ish. Right. I, I agree. It is I for agree. me. Yeah, you know? Yeah. yeah. You work third shift, right? <laughs> no, second shift. Second, but, I mean, okay, it's second. still. It's, That's still yeah. late. That's still That is, yeah. I'm not getting up at 6 a.m. I mean, <laughs> sleep in a little bit. So um, anyways, uh, yeah, they, they stay active in the, in the community. So it's kind of cool to see this. So um, we are hosting it yet again. Um, it is going to be a 13-week program this time, and we're doing something a little bit different. Um, rather than Monday night classes, which have been our tradition, we have had some feedback from community members saying that I got a lot of stuff going on Monday nights. And if you think about it, uh, we have like our city council meetings. So Monday nights aren't going to work because they're, they're going to go to the city council meeting. And, you know, if we ever had somebody who was on the city council that wants to be part of the Citizens Police Academy, well, they're not going to be able to make it. So we're making an exception this year. We're going to try it out. We're going to do it on Thursday night. Um, I, I was trying to avoid like Wednesday nights because people have, you know, like catechism class and confirmation classes, you know, for church. Might be running into some basketball games and things like that Thursday night, but we're, we're trying something different this year just to, to accommodate someone who's busy on Monday nights. Uh, it's a, that's a tough accommodation to make because I feel like there's always something going on. Correct. No matter what, whatever night. And, and Friday night ain't going to work because <laughs> who wants to go hang out with the police? You got fish fries six on Friday night. Exactly. You got a lot of, yeah, so Maybe if we served a fish fry on Friday night work. at yep. every class, I mean, I'd go. You would, go, fill, I, I, you would have to have, you'd have yeah. to expand it to 50 people. I Correct. Think. I would take off work to go to, <laughs> <laughs> to get the fish fry, depending especially where it's from, too. So, um, yeah, we, we are starting on Thursday, March 2nd at 6 p.m. Uh, we have a, like an opening scenario. I'm sorry, not uh, opening ceremony. Um, where we meet with the mayor, the fire chief, the police, uh, or police chief, uh, myself. Uh, hopefully, uh, we, we have a municipal court judge there, um, our city attorney, um, some members of the police and fire commission, and we all say hi. Uh, we introduce our, ourselves and tell you know what what the police department does in our community. Start with the tour, and then every week after that, um, all the way to the first week in June on Thursday, um, we cover one major aspect of what the police officers go through when they go to the actual state of Wisconsin Police Academy. Mm. So everything from firearms, uh, DAT, which is short for Defensive and Arrest Tactics, EVOC, which is short for Emergency Vehicle Operation and Control, Vehicle Contacts, Traffic Procedures, Accidents, uh, we cover the drug task force and how we do investigations there. We have our clerks come in and talk about how they handle things. On, and they're kind of our liaison with our reports and our district attorney and how they help us out and they support us. Uh, we talk with each of our detectives who specialize in a different subject. You know, we have, we have one detective that works specifically with drugs. We have another detective that works with sensitive crimes, with children and sexual assaults. We have another detective that studies arson, and all of them still do general case, you know, your frauds, your your suspicious deaths, your suicides, things like that. And they all come in and they give their side of what they do and you get to experience that. And we actually put you through a role-playing scenario with the detectives where you write a search warrant and you conduct an investigation, you conduct interviews, and uh, the whole academy comes along and gets to be part of that kind of scenario process and gets the experience of start to end of how stuff happens and how they solve cases. It's pretty cool. Do you find that this is an opportunity for people who are – potentially interested in a career in law enforcement? I would to, highly recommend this, yes. 
Yeah, excellent question. Um, and we do get a lot of people that have always been interested but never have gone into it, and that's fine. But like, if you're if you're a younger person and you are looking for a career and you're kind of looking for a taste of what it's really like, this would be a good one to go to. And at the end of it, I mean, I, I would highly encourage yourself just to go into the actual police academy and, and, and graduate. But I mean, if you're not sure, this is one thing you can do and. This, this would be great. If get, you know someone out there, go yeah. ahead. No, just get a taste of what that is like and see if it is a career path that is for you. Yes, yeah. And what, what's nice about this and why this is so relevant to your question is we try to make it as realistic as possible. Um, we're not, you know, like, for instance, like defensive and arrest tactics, we're not going to be wrestling with people on the ground. We don't want to break any bones or anything like that. But we're going to talk about use of force. We're going to talk about what's appropriate, what isn't. You know, what we do, what we're allowed to do, what we recommend, how in, we're going to look at actual real cases that have happened in the city of Beaver Dam. We're going to talk about what the state of Wisconsin teaches police officers and what's appropriate and how, if things need to be escalated or de-escalated. And, and it, it, all that stuff is very relevant to everything that's going on in the news today, everything that you know we, we, we talk about in the changing face of America and policing in America and things like that. It's very relevant. So it's 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 modern it's interactive it actually gives you a taste of what real things are like it's not it's not protected you know what i mean it's we we will talk about real things you know yeah. and uh, what, i mean we're not going to hurt you we're not going to wrestle you know what i mean but, but we'll we'll show people how to handcuff you know and and how to do it the right way and how we're taught and um, we'll we'll show videos about when things go wrong what we do and how we adapt to that um, and that that also leads into firearms as well the, the use of deadly force yeah. we talk about that um, we give each of our academy members if they want to it's completely optional if they want to uh, handle and actually discharge one of our duty uh, weapons, well, we have a very controlled and safe area at our at our firing range where we'll have our state certified firearms instructors show you how to do that, and you can actually experience you know some of the training, the beginning parts and phases of firearm safety, and how we learned and how we qualify with our firearms. So it's it's. Very cool. Yeah, I know one of the highlights in years past, and even last year, I was able to uh, come down to the police department. Our very own uh, Thomas uh, was a part of this as well, and uh, members of the academy have the opportunity. It's not required, of course. Ob- ob- yes, I got to underline that. <laughs> Otherwise, not, nobody's going to apply. <laughs> no, it is not required to graduate, but uh, every uh, one class during the ten-week uh, academy. Uh, 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 Participants have an opportunity to be tased yes. by a police department member. Correct. Yes. So we have a whole section on taser uh, that's part of our defensive and arrest tactics. Um, taser kind of, or I guess we should call it uh, uh, um, electronic control devices or uh, no, conductive energy weapons. That's is the that, current is term. Is that yeah. the name? That CEW. They... That is okay. the, what the term is. It, it changes from year to year. You know? Like uh, if you think about a box of Kleenex, okay, everybody knows what that is. Okay. When you think about a taser. Everybody knows what that is, but a box of Kleenex is really a box of tissues. Uh, you know what yeah. I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Kleenex is the yep. brand name. Taser's the brand name, but they're conductive energy weapons. Okay. That's what everybody yeah. calls them. That's what they're well known right. as, but that's not actually what they are right. referred to. Yeah, yeah. Or commonly known as a stun gun or you know sure. that sort yep. of thing. Yeah, yep. anyways. So anyways, um, that is part of our, our, our curriculum. We talk about how that has changed what we do, how to safely use those devices. And I mean, I actually believe they, they really do save lives because they all turn it. Well, not only that, but medical bills too, you know, and, and you take a look at 50 years ago, you take a look at the 1950s, you know, with uh, 
um, you know, things that how they've changed with, with law enforcement use of force, these things are way safer. These things are way better for everybody involved. You know, and, and yeah, okay. For five seconds while you're being tased, very painful. It disables you. It, it causes a disruption in your nervous system, but you live. You, you, when, that, when those five seconds are done, you have two little marks that you got to put a Band-Aid on and that's it. So um, we get the opportunity for participants to see the taser in operation and also be tased themselves to experience what it's like if it's ever used on a suspect. This is an experience I've done. Uh, when I first started carrying a taser, I wanted to know what it was like. Um, and like I said, it's, it's five seconds of, of very uncomfortable pain. But at the end of it, you stand up and you're like, okay, yeah, that's going to be effective because you can't it's you're taken into custody at right, that point right. you know it's it's yeah it's a good thing so it, it's a it's a very short amount of time for intense pain but that yep. goes away quickly versus getting shot by a, an actual oh, gun that, right. that will hurt much longer or, or fighting you know yeah. fists and you know wrestling and cuts and scrapes yep. and you know it's yeah <laughs> yes Again, our, our guest on today's community comment is uh, Beaver Dam Police Lieutenant uh, Jeremiah Johnson. The number to call in is 885-4446. We uh, do have a caller on the line. I want to welcome them into community comment. Hi, Jeremiah Johnson. Good to talk to you again. Hello. How are you, sir? I'm doing good. I got a question for you. Fire away. Uh, more mainly, uh, I want your opinion. Do you think that cops should go through health evaluation because of what happened in like Memphis with those five officers? Are, are you speaking about mental health evaluations or like physical? Yeah. Okay, yeah, absolutely. In, in fact, we all do. Um, uh, before we're hired, uh, there's actually a state law and uh, department policy stating that we need to go through a psychological evaluation um, prior to getting hired to make sure that we're mentally healthy and fit for duty. Um, and in this, this not only. Uh, detects things such as uh, propensity for you know suicide or depression, uh, but fitness for duty as far as making wise decisions, uh, temper, uh, if you how you would respond to use of force scenarios, uh, do you put yourself at unnecessary risk? Uh, do you tend to use alcohol or drugs, or do you have a type of uh, a personality that responds to addiction? And obviously, there's moderation. We're all human, but I mean, there's there's information that's gathered in those you know psychological ev evaluations. Those get turned over to the chief, and decisions are made on you know the hire, you know, yes or no, depending on how they go. And um, in it's not just at hiring as well, but if there's a major event that occurs in an officer's career, for instance, an officer-involved shooting or a, um, a call where they are exposed to something very traumatizing, um, those evaluations continue again. And at any point in time, uh, any of the officers at the Beaver Dam Police Department, and I know other law enforcement agencies as well, um, we all look out for each other. We have peer support groups. Um, we talk about things at the Beaver Dam Police Department. We actually sit down and like, all right, listen, we know that you're okay, but we want you to know that we're there for you. If you ever need anything, let us know, you know, and if you're not, we're going to, we're going to get help. We, we try not to stigmatize, you know, you take a look at cops and they're big and they're tough and you got to talk about it sometimes. So we have a policy for peer support officers that helps that stuff out. And we also have a policy that if those traumatizing events occur, uh, officers might go back and talk with the psychiatrist and, and make that part of their evaluation before they return to duty as well. So we do have some steps in there that um, help with the mental health aspects of it. To answer your question. I would hate for that to happen again, what happened in Memphis with those five cops. Because yeah. 
some cops take the badge to their head and think they can use deadly force without thinking. Yes. I, and I know there's a lot of good cops out there, too, like you. Well, thank you. Thank you for your service. <laughs> thank you very much. I appreciate that. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's a continual concern in law enforcement. When, when this kind of stuff happens, you have to go back and say why. And I look back at, like, what I was talking about with how we do things with the psychological evaluations. Is it enough? Yeah. You know what I mean? Or, or, or were there things that came up there that, you know, and I don't know. I'm, I'm not suggesting one way or the other. I, I don't know. I, I, don't, I never worked for Memphis. I don't know how it works there in, in Tennessee. But, like, were there red flags that came up that were looked – or overlooked, or, or just kind of say, you know, we need officers. We're going to hire these guys, or, or whatever it was. Or is it a culture thing? Right. You know, I, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. It, it, correct me if I'm, I'm wrong, but does the police department also have a, a chaplain on, on staff too that we also do. assists in in some of these things? Or yes, uh, yeah. Explain how that relationship. Sure, and, and I'll take this as a little segue into uh, we, we were talking about hiring earlier. Mm-hmm. We're yes. going to talk about this yep. later. Yeah. Uh, we have we have brought on a new chaplain with our city of Beaverdam Police Department, uh, Father Mike Tess. Um, actually, you know what? We should probably invite him in on the show one of these days. That would be, be great. A very interesting aspect. Um, he's a good guy. Uh, he. He runs St. Mark's Church uh, here in town, um, and he's also a chaplain for some other police departments, and he also does some part-time work teaching, and uh, I think he works at St. Mary's Hospital as well, uh, doing stuff down there as part of his uh, pastor and priesthood and you know things like that. So, um, yes, he, he's a good guy. I've uh, rode along with him many times. Um, and I'm at the relationship level with him where I think I can pick up the phone, call him up and say, hey, help me out with this. Yeah. I, I, I can run this past you. you know. And I, I come from a Lutheran background. Um, I'm with a Catholic family. He's Episcopalian. And, you know, it's a, a, we can talk about those kinds of stuff, the basic, you know, mm-hmm. Christian yep. sort of things. Yep. And um, obviously we are open to all faiths at the, you know, City of Beaverdam Police Department. Um, there, there's some guys who... Are religious. There's some guys that aren't, and you know, if we ever had uh, someone from another faith come in, we're open to that as well. Just right now, we have this one chaplain for us that you know works on that, and we can talk with him. And he acts as a counselor as well too. And he's the type of guy that if we need more help than what he can provide, he's going to speak up and he's going to get it for us. And we've got the resources through the city to you know get to the right person is he on like staff a certain amount of times throughout the throughout the week a certain amount of days when is he available for the members of the police department so he's always available via phone call and he'll always come in for us if we ever need him so if there's a a situation where a citizen just experienced uh you know a loss in their family um and they do want to talk with someone we can call him up and he will come in and respond um we have him come along on ride-alongs uh, when he's available, when it works out, and he actually interacts with citizens. He speaks Spanish. It's he's, he's an awesome guy to, to work with. So we have him come in on ride-alongs when he's available, but he's always available to us in an emergency or when his speciality is needed. Do you know when he uh, officially started? Uh, boy, I want to say the middle of November. I can probably okay. get All you right. the exact date. Okay. Yep. Right. So it's been, it's, he's been on the job for a couple months now. Correct. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Yep. And we've had a couple chaplains come and go. As I mean, they get callings yep. to different churches. Mm-hmm. So we've you know we we have um, we've had chaplains be with us for a long time, and then their church moves, and they're they're called out to Missouri. 
you know, and and they got to go. <laughs> it's a infl- it, it's a position that comes and goes with who's ever filling it at the, throughout the course of uh, the their career at the at the police department. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. And but they do play a very important role. Yeah, no, they do. Yeah. They do. Um, again, we're talking with uh, Police Lieutenant uh, Jeremiah Johnson. We were uh, on the topic of uh, Citizens Police Academy. I want to thank uh, Tyler again for uh, calling in earlier on the program. Uh, but I just want to uh, double back quick and just go through some of kind of the uh, important details with the uh, Citizens Police Academy, um, specifically the uh, application deadline, which is coming up yes. in, in a couple weeks. Correct. So we will take applications all the way through to the start of the academy. However, we make our decision of who is going to be in that academy on February 15th. So please get your applications in before February 15th. We'll kind of only consider late applications if we don't have enough spots to fill in there. So February 15th, get them in. You can get your applications in a couple of places. Um, You can always email me or call me. Um, If you got a pen and paper, grab it and I'll give it to you just in a little bit here. Uh, But other places you can come and get it are at the City of Beaverdam Police department in person come to the front desk we've got a copy of the schedule and we've got an application there ready for you guys you can fill it out and turn it back in it's one page it's pretty simple uh, we go through a little background check we ask you what your t-shirt t-shirt size is and get you a uniform and you know it's, it's kind of cool uh, easy to do Facebook is another place. So you go to the City of Beaverdam Police Department Facebook page, and we have a form on there that you can fill out, print off, bring it in, or you can email it to me. And if you guys are ready for the email, everybody out there in Radio Land got their pens and paper pens and pencils on. ready. All right. Okay. So my email is jjohnson at bdpd.org. I'll spell that for you. So it's jjohnson at bdpd. That's as in uh, the Beaverdam Police Department. Dot O-R-G, jjohnson at bdpd.org. Great. Uh, you can also call us at area code 920-887-4614. And that's during normal business hours. That's 887-4614. Um, and our clerks can help you out. And then if you ever need the police department as like non-emergency, uh, you, have the, you know, have the call and the complaint or something's going on, uh, you can call 887-4612. That's 887-4612, and those are our dispatchers. And then, if something really bad's going on, call 911. I just always put that in there. <laughs> I have to. You know what I mean? Because I, I don't want people to call the 4614 yep. number yep. if, you know, if someone's breaking into their house. Call 911, yep. you know, and... Yeah, I just I gotta clarify that. No, I agree. <laughs> I agree. Those people who out there who uh, will want to make that clarification, yep. no, because again, it can be Correct. a little misleading. And, and, and sometimes people see numbers on Google as well. This yep. is something exactly. we've encountered. Yep. They'll Google, yep. you know, Beaverdam Police Department, and that number will pop and up, and they'll, they'll get that non-emergency number, you know, and yep. it's it's. No, you know, we'll get back to you on Monday at 8 a.m. when the clerks hear the voicemail. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? So, yeah, you got to call dispatch or use that 911 number. Uh, and also with the uh, Citizens Academy, uh, you, have, you have to be 18 years of age. It is preferable to be 18, 18? years of age, okay. yes. Right. Yeah. And you must, uh, I think, live and work in the uh, city of Beaver Day. Once again, preferable. So, yeah, I, it, if you're if you're turning 18, uh, we might have to have a discussion with your parents about that, and we we do prefer people who are over 18. So if there's a spot available for someone who's younger, we would consider that. But uh, and the same thing with living, working, or owning property in Beaverdam, right, right. you're you are qualifying. But if there's a spot open that isn't filled and you are just in the area and you don't necessarily meet those requirements, we'll gladly consider it as well. But it's it, preference goes to those people first because those are the citizens that we serve. And, and there's only 12 
opening spots available? We do 12 to, now. Okay. Yeah, we used to do 16. Now we do 12, and just because the smaller class size allows us to get a little bit more quality education in yeah. versus rushing in. All right, every, all 16 people have to do this. All right, we got to rush, 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 rush. So 12 just works out better. So yeah, 12 at a time. Perfect. All right. Again, the uh, deadline to apply is uh, February f- uh, 15th. It's yep. come up here in uh, about about two weeks from now. You bet. Uh, so a couple places to pick up the applications. Police Department, you can reach out to uh, Jeremiah Johnson if you uh, want to uh, learn more. Yeah. And I highly encourage, if you're not interested, if you know people who are interested, have them apply because we, we want – you know, good people coming in that want to learn. And we also, if you got someone who's interested in law enforcement and they want to get into it, this is probably one thing that we can do to, you know, answer your questions. Uh, if somebody is a, a participant in that class, uh, they might also, uh, in during one of the uh, uh, sessions during that course, uh, learn about uh, retail thefts. Oh yeah, uh, they might. That might come up. Uh, I'm yep. not sure if that's that, that might come up and how police that handle that. Uh, that's a some, that's something that uh, that you guys over at the police department have been dealing with uh, on, on a little bit more of a, a reoccurring basis over the yes. last uh, a couple weeks and months. I, I believe um, in a in a, a press release. You mentioned that since October, it's been around 60, 70 mm-hmm. retail theft complaints yes. in, amount, in that amount of time. And uh, is that more than what you av- – what's what's an average – So it's a huge spike. Yeah. It's an absolute huge spike. It's probably 10 times what we normally see. Uh, so I would say in that normal time frame, we would see six or seven retail thefts, and now it's spiked up to 60. Um, and it's not just at our busiest retailers. We're seeing it at our grocery stores. We're seeing it at our uh, uh, gas stations and things like that. It's, it's spiked up. There was an article uh, in the news recently, and I don't know if you guys covered it or not, but it might have been like an AP or Fox News some, something article about Walmart who – has seen an increase in their inventory shrink. And when they say shrink, it's like the difference between what you have and what you're supposed to have. So, you mm-hmm. know, they, they buy, you know, 10 boxes of something. They go and they do their inventory every year and it shows up. Oh, they only have seven boxes of it. Where do those three go? So those three could have, you know, gotten missed. They could have not gotten rung up properly. Somebody could have stole them. They didn't check it in right and paperwork got messed up. They got billed for stuff that they never received. There's all kinds of reasons. But what Walmart has been finding, their shrinkage is due to external retail theft. As people are coming in, they are simply shoplifting. Um, some of them are bold enough not to even conceal the merchandise that they'll fill up a cart and they'll just run out the front door. And they are combating this any way that they can. And they are very effective at it in the city of Beaverdam. That's my warning. That's what I want to talk about it is um, Walmart is doing an excellent job at catching shoplifters in the city of Beaverdam. So um, their response to their shrinkage problem has been or have been more aggressive with the retail theft problem. And they, they are being very effective, at least in this city. And I, I would imagine across the state of Wisconsin, we're seeing the same thing as well. I mean, so, we don't, I don't want to go into too much uh, spoiling sure. how they are going yeah, about yeah, I'm catching not give away. <laughs> all the secrets. But right. is, it, is it through security? Is it having people stand by the exits? to ca- how is it, this some, is it more of an effort now that they're trying to put so, into stopping this? Absolutely. It's, it's four things. It's four things. Some of them you see every day. Some of them you don't. So first of all, they have an excellent camera system. And almost every retailer in the city of Beaverdam does. Um, the bigger the retailer, the, usually the bigger the camera system. But, I mean, even like Food Pride has got an excellent camera system where they can see down every aisle. They see all their cash registers and very helpful for us, you know. So th- that's that scene. What it 
what isn't seen sometimes is that they actually have security people out in retail stores. Um, so like little, secret shoppers, essentially. Exactly. So a little background from me. Uh, before I was a police officer, I worked for Shopco. Shopco doesn't have any stores out anymore, so I'm going to release the Shopco secret, okay? <laughs> I, I was uh, 16 years loss prevention. I worked for Shopco, and 15 of those years, all I did was catch shoplifters. That's all I did. I, I used the cameras. And I secret shopped. I wear normal clothes, try to blend in. I push a shopping cart around. And that's all I did for all day was go and catch shoplifters. I did some other safety stuff too, but I mean, I kind of know how it goes. So it, that's the thing that people don't realize is that they actually have people. It's not a manager. It's not a cashier that saw something weird. They actually have people dedicated to catching shoplifters. And that is all they do. And they are very good at it. So just just a heads up, that is out there. Our retailers have stepped it up this year, and now we are seeing the results of it. You know, we don't, as as officers, go and patrol in the store as often as we'd like. You know, we drive through the parking lot. Sometimes we get out, we walk through. But I mean, are you going to steal something if you see a uniformed police officer? Probably not. Probably not. So that's why we're there is the deterrent. But there are other consequences too for the people that you don't see. And that usually ends up with a ticket, an arrest, or even a felony charge, depending on what they steal. So right. we'll get into that later, I guess. But yeah, you right. Go. Well, well, I, mean, I guess we can tease, <laughs> tease a little bit of that now. And there, there are certain levels because I cover a lot of the uh, court systems and, and charges yes. that people see for retail thefts. Yes. And I mean, you can think it's just a regular misdemeanor, or you know, depending upon what it is. But there are certain levels. And they can increase in felony severity depending upon what it is and how much that item costs. Yes. That you could be charged, and if there's charges pressed against you, um, that you could be facing if you do something like this. Exactly. So, across the nation, organized retail theft has been a, a huge concern over the last 10 years. About 10 years ago, our state legislature said that before this happened, before they passed this bill, uh, in order for a retail theft to be a felony, it had to be $2,500 or more. They changed it recently to now $500 or more. Reason being is a lot of people knew where that $2,500 limit was, and they were, you know, doing that, you know, to kind of skirt the law and get away with the misdemeanor. And now we're talking some serious stuff. They wanted to put their foot down. They wanted to send the message that you cannot be going into a, a store and just ripping them off and selling the stuff afterwards or doing whatever it is you do with it, okay? This is for people, we're not talking about you know the little kid that steals a candy bar. We're not talking about the people who you know maybe are a little short on cash so they make some bad choices, okay? This is like someone who is intentionally going in Habitual serious yep. damage, yep. yes, serious damage. So that's, that's the felony level. If you steal more than $500, there's no ifs, ands, or buts. You're going to get arrested. You're going to be taken to the Dodge County Jail. You're going to get booked, and you're going to stay there. You can't bail out until you see a judge tomorrow morning. And they set bond, and yep. And, and if you're lucky, they set bond. You know, that's true. That's, you know, that's very I mean, true. Yeah. Depending on what the situation is, you know, a judge can be like, you know what, your bond is hundred thousand dollars. You know, and it, it, it can happen, especially yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. if there's exacerbating circumstances with their your theft. Exactly. You know? yep. So, anyway, so just a warning out there: be careful. Um, anything less than five hundred dollars, it's considered a misdemeanor in the state of Wisconsin. Um, we do have the capability, if if we so choose, uh, depending on the circumstances, we adopted that state statute as a city ordinance in the city of Beaverdam. So we do have the option of writing a municipal citation. Um, you're still under arrest. You still have a record that is associated with your name that's on the books, and the fine is $313. So 
it, just a heads up. I mean, you could go in and you can steal a video game for 65, 70 bucks and you get a ticket for $313 and you don't get to keep the video game. You know what I'm saying? So, I mean, heads up, you know, don't, don't be stupid. Don't, don't mess around with the self checkouts and forget to ring things up and claim it was an accident because we'll know, you know, we're going to watch that video and be like, all right, obviously you're, you're passing stuff in. You're not even scanning it. You're not even attempting. We know what's going on. That's, that's a common problem too. And, um, don't don't switch tickets. Don't be putting stickers from one thing to the other, trying to make it look cheaper. You're gonna get caught. The the devices out there know. The cashiers know what to look for. You're gonna get caught. So we're we're trying to reduce the amount of retail thefts that we process for the simple reason of we don't want it to happen. We actually want. Okay, I'll get down to the business here. We want Walmart to be profitable so they can pay their property taxes. Okay, we don't want Walmart going out of business. Do you want to go into Walmart and have really, really expensive products because of retail theft drove them up so high because they, they got to pay their people? I'm sure you that's know? for also. That's, I'm sure that's true for any business in, right. in Beaver Dam. Yes, it's the same policy, same mentality with every business that's getting ripped off. Exactly. Yes. So we're we're trying to deter it as much as possible. It'd be great if it just didn't happen. Okay. I mean, we, we don't care about the tickets. We don't we don't look at that as income. We're looking at it to reduce it so we can go out there and concentrate on stuff of people people being safe keeping the community, you know, where it needs to be and businesses being profitable and enjoying life in the city of Beaver Dam and the state of Wisconsin and the U.S. You know, it's, yeah. Uh, again, we have uh, Beaver Dam Police Lieutenant Jeremiah Johnson on the program. The number to call in is 885-4446. We do have a uh, caller on the line. I want to welcome them on to Community Comment. Yeah, good morning or afternoon. I'm glad you took my call. I was just wondering, I've been having a discussion with a friend of mine. We both have handicap stickers, you know, that we put in our windshield. And I keep telling him it's against the law to drive around with them, and he says it's it is. not. Yep. So if it, if it blocks your view of the windshield of your car, it is against the law. Yeah, there's actual uh, a traffic statute that says you can't block stuff. So even things like dice in the mirror you know what i'm saying that that kind of stuff that really shouldn't be there okay so if an officer looks at it and it's a significant obstruction of your view out the front of the windshield like a handicap pass i would say would be big enough to do that it's against the law you can get pulled over and can actually get a ticket for it so uh tell your friend it, it is indeed illegal and he's got to take it up off of the uh the window mirror hanger thing and put it up in his uh Somewhere, <laughs> you know, up in the the, the well, you know the, the well, glove compartment he, or something. He always says, "Well, everybody else is driving around with them. Why can't I?" Well, I, that's. I mean, if everybody, uh, I won't say it. Everybody jumped off a bridge, you know. What? Yeah, yeah. No, I it's just. It's that. probably. I would warn him. It's probably just a matter of time before those people and him, they could get pulled over. And here, here's what you don't want to have happen. Okay, yeah. this is what you should tell him. If he gets into an accident. And an officer sees that, and it was a matter of him not yielding the right away from something because he couldn't see because the car was behind the obstruction. Definitely yeah. going to be a problem. And then his insurance is going to go up too. You know, okay. it's a, yeah. Okay. I, I look at it that way of a safety standpoint. So yeah. The other question I have, I've been wondering over there. You know where the old KFC is, right? Yes. Yep. Are there homeless people living there? No, uh, sometimes people park there. Uh, we see some truck drivers park there. We've actually, it's, it's funny you bring that up because we've been working with the property owner over there to kind of address some of those issues that we've been coming up with uh, winter parking. Um, yeah. Some people have permission, some people don't. We're trying to clarify that with them, but that's an excellent question. Yeah, yeah because um, I see there's two, 
two campers sitting over there all the time, and it seems like people are living in them. Yep, and like I said, sometimes they do have permission for temporarily staying there from the property owner, and some people do not. So we, we've been okay. working I with... Just, I, was, I was just wondering about that. Yeah, no, that's question? an excellent question, because we do notice those things as well when we're out on patrol. I was also wondering, uh, I suppose you really can't give me your true opinion if but uh, about the state legislature trying to keep passing the marijuana, changing the marijuana laws. Oh, I'll gladly give you my true opinion. Absolutely. So I look at it from two, two standpoints. I have my personal level and I have my law enforcement professional level. Um, I worry on a personal level that if we legalize marijuana, we might be sending the message that it's okay to operate a motor vehicle while high. Um, I think it, it might be sending the message that, you know, people have concealed carry permits and they smoke a little weed and they, they're carrying their firearm, you know, and I, I, I'm concerned about that. that. That would be my concern is why I personally would not want to pass well, that law. Well, I know. look at it this way. If you watch the news on that, various news stations, they show how, like, California and Colorado and them, since they passed them, they, now they got a problem with the, you know, the cartels coming in growing the marijuana and they said yep we can do it it's legal right and, and i mean there are certain you know every state has got different restrictions and how they dispense you're right you there's, know, and, there's medicinal use and recreational use i know yeah. a lot of gop uh legislatures in wisconsin well, are pushing more medicinal than recreational sure use. sure and and that's and that's a little bit different right. you know that that's a little bit more controlled and things the, like that the, however it still kind of exposes that thing now my professional law enforcement opinion is we have enough drunk driving in this state, and we have enough high driving in this state, and we encounter both on a frequent okay. basis. Well, so we have that restricted medical, control. As far as I'm concerned, the medical marijuana is like people breathing. They're just going to they'll just go to a doctor, and he'll just hand them a prescription. And yep. uh, I, people don't realize that once somebody gets hooked on that stuff, it can destroy somebody's life in a heartbeat. And I've I've I've, I've have went through that with my second ex-wife she got hooked on marijuana and the next thing she was snorting cocaine and the marriage ended yeah and it, it doesn't really depend i mean you can you make that argument with alcohol you can make that argument with marijuana yeah. you can talk about street drugs what, you can even talk well, about prescription medication if it's not used properly you having a lot of problems with like they keep average talking on the news about all this fentanyl and all this stuff coming in the Dodge County and Beaverdam? Or? Yes, uh, fentanyl is very present in the community. Um, last year at this time, we had an overdose involving a, a child, essentially, and a teenager, um, who we suspected had taken what he thought was his prescription medication, but he had actually yeah. gotten his hands on what the cartel is manufacturing as fentanyl, and they stamped the prescription medication on it. So oh, it's, and, and why they do that is because if you do a traffic stop and I go pull somebody over and I look at these pills and I, oh, these are such and such pills. Okay. Yeah. And then yeah. I, that's what I think they are. And I don't realize as a police officer that I've actually got fentanyl and then they go on their way and they use their fentanyl. Everybody's happy. However, the yeah, problem I is yeah, I, I they, they're that. out there. People don't realize that they're fentanyl pills and they think they're taking less of what they're actually taking. Just a little bit of fentanyl is incredibly well, powerful my, and can kill my, someone. My biggest concerns is with, with, with my grandchildren that they're going to be at somebody's house and they the person's going to say, here, take this. You know, now they supposedly passing them off as candy, too. Uh, yes. Uh, they're 
colorful. They, yeah, it's it's bad. It's not good. Um, that's the problem with your drug dealer. You don't know what you're getting, and it's not like they're a pharmacist, you know. And that that's the other thing too. It's uh, they are lacing other drugs with the fentanyl in it. Um, wow. Some people think they're buying heroin, and they're getting heroin mixed with fentanyl to give it a little bit well, more. That, there's a lot that of people all... that there's there's actually a bad batch floating around of crack cocaine um, that has fentanyl laced in it, and people are overdosing on the fentanyl part, and yeah. that's not good. Well, you see, that all, the lacing all started back in the late 70s when the guys came back from Vietnam, because over in Vietnam they they laced a lot of their marijuana with heroin and opium and, and stuff like that. And it, you know, yep, it's you still going on. Country. Yeah, so, okay. Well, well thank, thank you, you sir. For all the work on that. Absolutely. Thank you for the good questions. Yep, bye. Yep, take care. Thank you. Uh, thank you for the call. Uh, we are a bit overdue for a uh, commercial break, uh, so we'll take that and uh, be back with more community comments. 113 here at 95.3 WBEV, powered by Daily Dodge. Let's go back to Kevin Haugen for more community comment. Well, thank you very much, and welcome back into uh, community comment. Again, our guest on today's program is Beaverdam Police Lieutenant Jeremiah Johnson. The phone number to call in today is 885-4446 if you have a question uh, for the uh, lieutenant. so a big uh, Dodge County related news lately here in the last couple of weeks, especially with the district attorney's office, uh, Kirk Klomberg, who's been there for over uh, 10 years or yeah. I want to say around there. As long uh, as I've been a police officer, for sure. Well, yeah, I've yeah, been there for a long time. I resigned uh, a couple of weeks ago um, and just recently, a couple of days ago, I think it was uh, Tuesday or Wednesday, uh, the governor has uh, filled that uh, vacancy, um, appointed, uh, I believe she is an assistant district attorney with the Waukesha County uh, District Attorney's Office. Her name is Andrea Will. Um, to uh, to the post, which will search. I think it's another couple years. I want to say 2025 is what the current yeah. term. Filling is. out the remaining Kurt, term that Kurt had. Yep, because yes. it, it is it is an elected position. Correct. Uh, but anytime there is a vacancy that comes up in between a term, uh, it is a governor appointed to fill that term, and then um, then an election occurs to have that uh, position filled. But um, police departments in general, I mean, you guys will put together criminal complaints that then are sent off to a district attorney's office, which will be reviewed, and then the uh, attorneys will decide if criminal charges will be brought against that person. That's kind of the relationship that you guys have with the district attorney's office. Yes. So, I mean, just the typical process of how this works is we get a call, we go, we figure out what happened, we decide, are we going to arrest this person or not? Yes, we do. We arrest them, take them to jail. If they get bonded out, we wait a little bit before we send over the reports. If they don't, if they need to see a judge, we come back, we fill out our reports right away. It goes to our lieutenant of detectives and our deputy chief and chief. They take a look at the criminal complaints. They put the relevant material in that builds the probable cause. They sign it. They send it over to the district attorney's office. They review it, and then the district attorney or their staff, the assistant district attorneys, decide whether or not they agree with us on the probable cause, 
and whether they want to press charges. And there's a lot of stuff that goes yep. in that decision. I mean, it's not just is there probable cause. I mean, that's that you have to have that. That's a requirement. But there's other things that go into that decision as far as is there a treatment court available, depending on what the offense is, um, the circumstances leading up to the arrest, the uh, – the ability for the county to handle, you know, is there a diversion option? Is this a person, a first-time offender versus a multiple-time offender? Sometimes we'll send those criminal complaints over with multiple charges, and they'll say, all right, you sent over five charges, we're going to do two. Sometimes we'll send them over with five charges and be like, you know what? You forgot about this one. We're going to go seven or eight charges right. of things that they know. Um, they'll, they'll know the history of the, uh, the accused as well, and those are all exacerbating factors as to how bad or better it gets. Okay. So and that, that's how the process works from the point of view of a police officer. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. So, and now how – I mean, I'm sure this is still kind of a, a process that hasn't – really, you know, still filling it out. Yeah, but what is it uh, like for you guys when a new district attorney comes in? Um, is it like, because everybody, pro- different district attorneys prosecute crimes differently than others. So, sure. there's, so there's a kind of a feeling out process there exactly. to figure out how that looks. So so we knew how Kurt Klomberg's office, usually, I mean, there, there were times where, in, you know, as a police officer from the perspective, okay, this is, I'm not trying to bash anything here, but there, there are times where you would send something over and you would be like, oh, for sure, this is getting charged. And you're like, ooh, no, we missed something. And they, they'd see something. And you're like, okay, you get that no prosecution yeah. memo. You know. Or there's other times where you send something over and like, ooh, I don't know. And then it, they throw the book at him and like, okay, all right. You know, and it's so you don't really know what the mind of that district attorney is thinking. And, and like I said, there's so many things. It could even be what judge you're going to get that determine what, what happens. You know, and so for us, we don't know how Andrea will is going to handle things. So she um, is, is coming over on the 20th uh, to, to Dodge County. She's finishing all her stuff up at Waukesha County. But a, a great sign is our, our chief and her talked. I don't know who reached out to who, but uh, the chief of police made contact with her, um, and they are going to have a meeting, and she is going to get to learn the Beaver Dam Police Department a little bit. We're going to give her a tour. We're going to introduce her to people, and we're going to show her how we run things at our police department, and we're going to get to know her and how she is as a prosecutor and what her expectations are and what she wants to focus on and, and what her requirements are, and we're going, to, we're going to learn that. So it's a great step in the right direction. Now, is that happening before she uh, takes I think the, after, takes, okay, just uh, okay, shortly okay, after, okay, like right. right away in those beginning phases. And it was February 20th. That I think Around that window of time. she's going okay. to take control of Dodge County. Gotcha, yeah. gotcha. Yeah. Is, now, is this something that – um, I don't know if you've heard through the grapevine or not, but other police departments throughout the county is looking at wanting to do as well. I mean, that, I mean, there's a couple of agencies in the county, so that would be quite – it would be a lot to do. I didn't yep. know if it was more like the bigger populations that this is something that she's doing. Or I'm sure she's planning on doing that at all. You know, the sheriff's office, Lemira, Mayville, Horicon, even Watertown, who, you know, shares – in Waupon as well, who, who shares partial jurisdiction between us and other counties as well. So I, I'm sure that that's her plan is that she's going to eventually meet with the police departments and get to know them, and she'll have a set of expectations that she wants to tell us what she needs from us as well, too. Right. It's a two-way street. I'm Correct. sure you, know, you look at it from the police department side of what you want or look for at a, at a DA and what they are normally prosecuting. Right. But I'm sure as a DA's office, they are also looking at the agencies and police departments around the county and thinking, oh, this, is what, this is what we want to see in a complaint. This is the things that we want highlighted and noted so when we get it, you know, we can process this in a, in a right way. Exactly. 
And, and how maybe maybe jumping back to how long does that process take? I'm always curious to know, like when you send it off, and is it is it a couple of days? Is it a couple of weeks? It's or? just about. So on a weekend, you usually find out on Tuesday morning what happened with it if uh-huh. they're going to prosecute. So they they if if you arrest someone in the afternoon, they see the judge the next morning right. if it's a felony. So and they're, in the, know, and they're in the jail. Correct. Yeah, because they can't leave because there's no bond posted for a felony. They're, they're held until they see the judge. The judge decides what to want, what they want to do. Or actually earlier, the district attorney says, we're not going to prosecute. We'll know that day. Um, and then later on in the afternoon, we'll know what the charges are and what the arraignment's going to be. They'll, they'll schedule out uh, plea and sentencing hearings and when a jury trial is going to happen if it is and things like that. So we know that afternoon after the crime taken has taken place what's going to happen with it. Um, occasionally with things like misdemeanors where people bail themselves out, those charges will stay in the system for a little bit where the district attorney's office will concentrate on the things that they need to that are time sensitive and then they will handle the misdemeanors later and file those charges outside of active court they will send that person a court notice and say, all right, you're accused and charged with a misdemeanor. You need to show up to court on such and such date. And then we find out, we, we know that they're being charged, but we don't necessarily know what's gonna happen next, where a felony moves a lot quicker because of that, where we're, we are essentially holding those rights the freedom against that accused person. So that that's why it's so time sensitive. Uh, uh, speaking about relationships between police departments and uh, district attorney's office, as time progresses and it, you know as years change, obviously, you know there's changes to how police departments handle certain situations. There's updated trainings, updated policies that you guys uh, you guys have to learn. Is that true when it comes to having to have a relationship with the district attorney's office? Is there changes that they make to how complaints are filed or what they want written in complaints over the over the course of a year or a couple of years that you guys are notified about? Yep, absolutely. So um, one of the bigger changes that we've seen over the last few years is now we file our complaints electronically. So we send over evidence with the reports and the criminal complaint all together electronically. And that, that was a new thing that we dealt with uh, to make things more efficient. You know, and it's it's it is it's better. It's better. Once you get through the learning process, it's a lot better. Um, the district attorney will frequently uh, study case law and will send us memos of understanding of what we can and can't do as a police officer, as a police department, um, to you know essentially you know if there's updates in laws, changes in laws. Uh, one of the bigger ones recently, um, I believe we had a memo of understanding with um, uh, the duty to intervene and the duty to react if if there's a situation where a police officer is you know being dangerous and and hurting a suspect and it's inappropriate and it's against law that the other officers are required by law to intervene and stop that police officer from doing that thing you know as a result of George Floyd and and that whole thing so i mean that that's the kind of stuff that we work with our district attorney and they set out examples of just exactly how they want us to handle things. You know, um, drug court is another thing that developed in the last several years of just a very infant starting out. We don't know how this is going to work to we are using drug court for a lot of stuff and it's successful with some people. It's successful, maybe not all everybody, but I mean, it's one of those things that's an option understanding that addiction has, it's, it's a very difficult problem to solve and the criminal justice system is now reacting to that to make sure that we are taking care of people versus punishing people and not solving the problem that got them in that 
you know, right. behavior to begin with. Right. So, right. you yeah. know, it's a, not a light on crime thing. Right. It's a right. solving the problem that's causing the crime. Yeah. As a member of the police force who who is familiar with crime and law and working in that in that field, what makes a good district attorney? Um, okay, excellent question. So it, it's good to feel that your district attorney has got your back, meaning if something big happens and and you are taking it seriously as a police officer, they share the same attitude with it. And, and there are times where it's very difficult because they are bound by law and maybe they can't do certain things that, that we saw and, and or there's reasons where the evidence that we're presenting maybe can't be used in court, depending on, you know, there's there's rules and there's there's stuff that happens in the courtroom that we don't understand that we don't see out in the street. I mean, we, we, we always work with our, you know, good faith in mind to do the best investigation that we can, but there are circumstances where like, I can't use this. And then we have to see that charge get reduced or dropped or something like that. But it's good to know that if that happens, the district attorney reaches out and explains the reasons why they had to do what they had to do. Kurt Klomberg was always very good at doing that. Um, I, I can also say too, uh, on a personal level, um, there was a threats to a law enforcement officer uh, case that I was involved with, and I thought Kurt Klomberg did an excellent job of standing up for the police officers involved in that case. Um, I thought that was great, and I, I think that was something that we appreciate at a law enforcement level. Um, the other thing we appreciate, too, is it's not just about the cops. It's about citizens and rights and the Constitution. And if we see that the district attorney, I mean, even if it doesn't work in our favor, you know, we always look at we want to catch the bad guy. But if we did something to violate someone's rights or it wasn't proper and the district attorney sees that and stands up for the accused, I think that's a good thing, too. And and. We take a look at, you know, like everything from, you know, Second Amendment rights to free speech and all that stuff. I think the district attorney has a higher um, responsibility as an elective official to take a look at those things and understand what he wants to do, or he or she for that matter, wants to do with certain cases and always keeping those inalienable rights in mind. And that we respect that when something comes up and we're like, okay, no, nope, this is how it has to be. And, it's, it's, it, and we take the politics out of it and be like, this is a black and white, this is a law, this is what the Constitution says. I like to see that as well. You know, even if it doesn't work in our favor, even if it's frustrating where, you know, something bad happened and that bad guy, you know, needs some sort of justice. If it doesn't work out because of the rules, well, that's fair to everyone. That's, you know, that's, that's what the rules are. So those, I think, are the big three things that I, I like to see from a district attorney. So we, we're going to miss Kurt and best of luck to him. And we hope that we have that same working relationship that we had with Kurt as we do with Andrea as she comes in. Great. So I'm looking forward to meeting her. Great. Fantastic. At some point. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds like soon. Sounds Hopefully like... not in courts is the first time. You know, we're like, hey, how's it going? Shake hands. I'll get up on the stand. Let's go. You know, like, I hope that's, you know, it's yeah, a little you bit. build those relationships yeah, exactly. before. They, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, whereas we're talking about the uh, district attorney's office and some of the staffing challenges that they've had to endure over the last couple of weeks. Um, you know, looking at the police department, you guys have uh, had uh, two uh, new officers working uh, through training and, and field training to uh, to be a member of the police department and filling out your staff more yep. now. Uh, just give us an update on where those two officers are at and how sure. close they are to being yeah, on the street. So, so a couple months ago we talked about uh, Officer... Uh, <laughs> 
sorry. Joseph Salazar. He's he's a local here at, at Beaver Dam. Probably, at, at, maybe even his parents are listening right now. I don't know. I think they called in last time we talked about this. Um, he is well on his way. Uh, to, to finishing field training, um, as well as uh, Officer Megan Ruland. Uh, she went to the police academy. Both of them went through at the same time at Fox Valley Tech. Um, they graduated in mid-October, and they went through our 16-week field training program, and they are on the cusp of being done with that. So they will be out on their own very soon. They're doing very well. We're proud of them. Um, so they will be on second shift with me. So I'm looking forward to working Learning with them. from the best. Yep, absolutely. <laughs> uh, we had a recent graduation, Officer Jenny Reinhold. Um, she is just starting her field training process. She just got to the academy at the end of December, moving right along. Uh, we also hired a lateral transfer from our Juno, local Juno Police Department, Officer Russell Ebert. And um, he is an experienced officer who's worked um, in Dodge County at Juno for an extended period of time. So he's coming in with that experience. And and he's got experience working in Dodge County, talking on the radio with Dodge County dispatchers, using the Dodge County computer systems, and he's familiar a little bit with Beaver Dam. So he's got to learn geography, which he's got down pretty good here. And he's uh, also got to learn how we do things at the Beaver Dam Police Department. And once he's got those things under control, he'll be out on the road as well, and he'll be on our third shift. So we welcome all four new officers. Um, we, we're going to have some more officers getting hired here pretty soon. We're putting out conditional offers. Um, and we are, if I'm doing my math correctly, we are down two officers right now. We have to hire two more. So That was my next question yep. is what is the current staffing level? So you're yep. just at, at just two officer vacancies right Correct. now? And yep. Is that patrol? Uh, the, everybody starts in patrol. Okay, so yeah, that's it, where the beginning is. Yes. Okay. Occasionally, if uh, internal candidates don't work out for like a sergeant or a detective, we might look to the external candidates, but we always try to fill with from within, and we have for many years not having to go out to outside agencies to, to fill that spot directly. You know, like hire a sergeant directly who's never been an officer with Beaver Dam or hire a detective directly into that position, as an example. We haven't had to do that. So we, we always are hiring patrol officers, and they work their way up through that right, patrol division. Um, with those uh, two uh, patrol officers, if they are those positions, if they're filled, does that mean that the station is completely staffed at that? That's level? it. Yep. it. Has has that happened at and any point in like the last five? Yes. 10 years? Okay. So so in my career at BDPD, that has happened for a period of probably two to three years. Wow. So yes, and, and it's always there's. The problem is, is if there's one retirement, yeah. it you can't fill that spot before the person retires. So there's always that gap of field training and getting that person in there. So you can anticipate it. You can start hiring, but you can't actually officially hire that officer until the next officer has retired or resigned or whatever it might be. So, yeah, it's uh, so we have had gotten hit last year and the year before with just a boatload of retirements. You know, we, we, we lost five to retirement that just you know they, they retired they're yeah. done and yep. it's i can't blame them no and we're just getting to the point where we're catching up so nice great yes. and if anybody out there who's interested in a career in law enforcement yes. well they have a great opportunity coming up to join the beaver dam police citizens academy that's right uh deadline again is february 15th uh to send in your applications yes and then when will they how long after that will they hear uh again if if they got picked uh to Pro be a probably starting right away after february okay. right. 15th that next week, that the, in that next week, we'll all be making phone calls and inviting people in, and Great. yeah.
Fantastic. Uh, again, I want to uh, thank our guest on today's uh, community comment, uh, Beaver Dam Police Lieutenant uh, Jeremiah Johnson. Uh, Lieutenant, thank you so much for coming in today. Thanks for having me, and have a good afternoon. Thank you. You Be too. safe. Yes, thank you, Lieutenant. And that is going to do it for today's community comment.